I know I don't have the stage presence of Brother Mac, but I am filling in for him this morning. I trust you will continue to pray for him and that he will be back on his feet before long. I know he's got to be feeling bad because if he can't be here on a Sunday morning, that's bad news for him. And and so we will miss him uh, being here. And we certainly need to include him in our prayers. I just want to remind you of a few things. Two things that um, are in your, need to be in your bulletin if they're not. Number one is that Brother Ben needs the men's committee to meet at 4 p.m. Over in the Family Life Center. And then choir will start today at... Um, 4.30? 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Okay. And uh, so we, the, the choir getting ready for the Christmas cantata. Uh, please keep that in mind. I know you know that October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And we do have pastors and others who serve us that have been so faithful and gracious in the way they have done that. And we certainly want to, to acknowledge them. And so please uh, pray about what the Lord would have you to give and how you can show that appreciation. Christmas to Remember is coming up, and the sign-up has begun. And I'm sure, um, I'm, I, I say I'm sure, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that not everybody has signed up that needs to sign up. Is that right? We still need... We still have room for you to sign up and be a part of Christmas to remember, and I would encourage you to do that. What an opportunity for us to make an impact on our community. Let's be faithful in doing that. The youth just got back from the Passion Play in Eureka Springs. I actually expected them still to be there this morning, but there they are. I mean, there's Thomas, and there they are right there. And I've already heard I've already heard good things about who they got to be in the play and how the play went and all the work that, that was done uh, during this weekend. And so we could be proud of our youth and the work that they're doing, the leadership of Brother Thomas and Natasha. And we just thank you for for what you are you are doing. And the ways that you are manifesting the presence of God to others as you serve in going on, on things like that. It's like a mission trip. And so um, the, the other things, the Preservers of Life Banquet, the Veterans Day Commemoration, the GBS and SIT Senior Celebration Dinner, uh, the Sacred Call Quartet Concert and Churchwide Holiday Meal, please... Uh, Read your bulletin, pay attention to those things, and um, follow those. Be involved in those things that you need to be involved in, and um, pray for the rest. So uh, welcome everybody here this morning. It's been a beautiful, nice, crisp fall morning, and what a day to be in the house of the Lord and worshiping him and praising him. 
I do want you to know, if, if you hadn't heard already, that I got to represent you on our bus tour. On both Sunday mornings we were gone, I got to get at the front of the bus and share a devotional thought with everybody who was on the bus, that, that captive audience that I had of 45 people. And uh, it was a blessing to get to do that and, and to honor the Lord in having worship service on, on our trip as well. So thank you for, for that opportunity. So with that in mind, Brother Harold, um, I guess you're next. Let's stand, please. Let's sing and praise the Lord this morning. Let's sing praises to our Lord. I sing praises to the Lord. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name. us to a new word. It's a Hebrew word, Shabbat. Everybody remember what that means? Amen. Amen. To shout out, to praise God. Okay, we can shout out to praise God, say praise God, or hallelujah, or thank you Lord, or uh, holy, holy, or there's victory in Jesus. So let's Shabbat. One, two, three. Praise God. Amen. That was great. Shabbat. One, two, three. 
Praise God. Okay, that's great. We do love you, Lord, this morning. And we praise God. And uh, we can sure shout that there's victory in Jesus. Let's sing that this morning. I believe we know that one. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood And won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he brought me with his redeeming love. He loved me, I knew him, and all my love. cleansing flood I heard about his healing of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit For he alone is worthy. For he 
I know we heard this song and it was introduced here last Sunday. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Let's stand, please. There's four verses. Ushers come forward on the last verse. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is for more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness, my freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold my hope Still my lips 
There's a peace I've come to know, though my heart and flesh may fail, there's an anchor for my soul, I can say it is well, Jesus has overcome, and the grave Fall on my knees. 
there's a day that's drawing near when this darkness breaks to light and the shadows disappear and my faith will be my eyes jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed the victory is won he is risen from the dead and i will rise when he calls my name no more no more pain I will rise on eagle's wings before my God fall on my knees and rise I will rise and I hear the cry of every longing heart worthy is the lamb and i hear the voice of many angels sing worthy is the lamb and i hear the cry of every longing heart Worthy is the Lamb, and I will rise when He calls my name. No more sorrow, no more pain, I will rise on eagle's wings before my God, fall on microphone here. It's got a mind of its own. Oh, isn't it beautiful to have melody with harmony and to have it all be about the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. It's good to be able to stand before you and share uh, if you will, open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 4. 
Really, this is just a continuation of what we've already been hearing in the singing. And it's, it's exciting for me the way the Lord puts days together, puts services together. And we know he is in this place. We know that he has a word for us. He's already given some of it through the music that we have sung. He's lifted our hearts and prepared us for the message that he has. And that message this morning is about having a champion, about having a person who can be the one who stands before us and and is everything to us, and we surrender our all to him. Well, you don't have to guess a second time about who I'm talking about, do you? David was a champion for the children of Israel, and David, everyone looked up to him after the point at which he defeated Goliath by whacking off his head with a sword. And from that time on, Israel had a great respect. He was their champion. But David was just a model of a champion who would be coming. He was just a foreshadowing of the kind of champion that would come to take our, take, stand in for us and be our all in all and fight the battles that we need to fight and prepare us for the, the, the conflict that we would face over the course of our days. And Matthew chapter 4 is the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. It's Jesus when the Holy Spirit has driven him out into the wilderness. And so I want to read this passage to you. Three things, were three three particular ideas that I will want you to get out of this in regard to a champion. And that is, first of all, that a champion understands his priorities. The second is that the champion follows his precepts. And the third is that the champion stays close to the principles that put him in the place where he is. Those three things, I believe, are important for us. And they remind us, as we look at how Jesus did those three things, that will encourage us and strengthen us as we look at this passage. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus was dealing with the temptation of the lust of the flesh in that particular verse. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone the principle of the precepts that we need to follow. 
And Jesus said to them, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. He understood that important precept. And then finally, after he had been tempted through the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, Satan comes back and in as it is recorded in the Matthew passage and tempts him a third time in regard to the lust of the eyes. And this is the way that went. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. What a precious passage for us to have the opportunity of looking into this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come to you this morning, we are thankful that you have directed the writing of your word and the writing of this particular incident from the life of Jesus and how it can challenge us in who we place first in our lives. And may our champion truly be the Lord Jesus Christ because of the way he was able to overcome Satan in every way that Satan tried to block him or tempt him or stop him. And Jesus is the victor. And we praise you and thank you for that. But Lord, it's also a reminder that we as human beings face the same three types of temptations and we need to know how to deal with those temptations and Jesus shows the way truly he is our champion speak to us guide our hearts our minds and may you get the glory we pray in Jesus name and for his sake Amen. Jesus has grown up. He's gone through all of the childhood things, and as we study and, re- and is recorded in the Bible, there was never a time that Jesus made any mistakes. He never sinned in any way in his life, uh, even as a child, up to this point in which he is tested by Satan. It's interesting to note that it was the Holy Spirit who drove Jesus into the wilderness. Many of us go into the wilderness of our own choosing. We choose to do things that are against the will and the purpose of God. We choose to go a different direction because it suits our fancy or it causes us to be thrilled or excited at particular times when in fact 
that's not the direction that the Lord would have for us to go. And we must be careful to realize and to recognize that what's important in our lives is that we hear the voice of God as he guides us and directs us day by day in the things that we are to do because only in doing his will his way are we going to be the overcomers that the Lord Jesus as champion desires for us to be. He will lead the way. He will be the one who's already demonstrated the power and the ability and the strength. He's the one already who is working in our lives and giving us that strength as the Holy Spirit indwells us. He's the one who will guide us to make us able to do all that is necessary. It's amazing to think that Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness. For what purpose? To be tempted by Satan. May I say, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't think it an unusual thing to be tempted by Satan. Don't think you are above it or beyond it. Don't think that you have the strength in yourself to be able to meet the challenges of dealing with Satan. But realize that our champion has gone before us. He has made the way for us in giving us the strength to be able to face any and all of the challenges that come our way so that we can come out victors on the other side because the battle has already been won. And we only have to live in the victory of what Jesus has done. Forty days tempted. Not forty days tempted. Forty days in the wilderness. Doing without food. I don't know about you. How long can you go without food? Most of us, three hours, four hours, and we're ready for a refill. Jesus, 40 days. He was not the only one, was he? Moses spent two times 40 days on Mount Sinai. Elijah spent 40 days without food. And Jesus... Forty days without food. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me I'd be looking for the biggest steakhouse in the city. I'd want to take care of that hunger because I would be famished. But notice that Jesus had his priorities correct in the way that he did things. What was his answer to Satan when Satan said, if you're the son of God, just just turn these stones into bread. Could he have done it? Absolutely. Who else could reach into the cupboards of heaven and feed 5,000 on one occasion and 4,000 on another occasion plus the women and the children? Who else could have done that but Jesus? So yes. Could have turned stones into bread. 
But his response was, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How important is Scripture to you? How important is it for you to live up to the truths and the principles and the precepts and the laws and, and all that is given in the word of God so that you can stand before Jesus someday and say, I walked the walk the way you would have me to. I wasn't perfect in it. None of us will be. But we can be certain that we have that strength and that power and that enabling from the Holy Spirit, from the Lord, to be able to do that. And as important as food is to our bodies, the Word of God is to our souls. And the truth is, even for us, that there are times when because of the distress of our souls, we don't even care about food because we're dealing with the distress of our souls. And the way to meet that is through the word of God. How well do you know the word of God? If we were to have a Bible drill here, this morning, line everybody up right here. You've got 15 seconds to, to look in your Bibles to find of the particular scripture that I'm going to give you to find. How many of you would be able to do that? How many of you, if I called out for you a book of the Bible, would be able to give me the book before and the book after? How many of you, if I called out a passage of scripture, could quote that scripture from memory. Do you understand the importance of the word of God? That's why the psalmist could say, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How important for us to stand on the truth of the word of God. Now in these days in which we live, there are so many who are going a different direction than that of following the truth of Scripture that it can lead others astray and they think that it isn't so important that they would focus on the Word of God as they should. But the thing that continually comes out in the study of Scripture is the need for us to study Scripture, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All Scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Scripture, how important it is. We say we're people of the book. But is, are we in fact digging into the book, learning its truths, 
applying its principles. Standing for the Lord Jesus. Well, that was just the first temptation, the lust of the flesh. And as Jesus saw it, it was a matter of priorities and more important to him than physical bread was spiritual bread, the word of God. That's why he makes a good champion. He leads the way. He practiced what he preached. He acted the way he told others they should act. And so we have this great truth. The second truth comes from the next Temptation. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of a temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. The temptation to do things for God without being under the direction of God is a temptation that we all face. I didn't become a preacher because I wanted to become a preacher. I became a preacher because I believe the Lord Jesus called me to be a preacher. Whatever your vocation may be, whatever your focus in life, I trust that you are who you are and where you are in your life because you feel that's where God put you. We are only at our best when we can have the confidence, the assurance that God has put us in this day he has put us in this position for this day. The same as Esther had to discover when Mordecai reminded her that, listen, God may be able to raise up somebody else to do this, but you're the one that is in this position today. You're the one that God wants to use in this way. And so, to tempt God, to tempt him. Now, tempt comes out in two different ways. One is to test. We can test God. Well, I know this promise of God, and this promise of God that he's going to give me everything that I need. So, I'm going to just say, Lord, I need a Cadillac. And the Lord's going to give me that Cadillac. Um, that's a big tempt. That's a big test. God said he would take care of our needs, and he does. God said he would watch over us, and he does. And as long as we follow in those boundaries, in those parameters, 
as long as we are within those precepts that God has given for how we are to ask him and what we are to ask him, then we can be sure of the results of answered prayer in regard to those things. But we need not press God, push God, attempting to make him do something that God doesn't want. To do. It's, it's something that we as believers need to be careful about because we are representing the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that we do and the result of that is that we can't be stretching things. Well, there have been a few times, for instance, that someone has predicted the end of the world. Eighty-eight reasons why the Lord's coming back in 1988. Any of you remember that? He revised that. Eighty-nine reasons why the Lord's coming back in 89. He may have revised it again another time. I don't know. Then others have made predictions of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know when that's going to be. And we don't need to be making those kind of predictions. We need to be working at the work that God has for us to do rather than spending our time foolishly following false ideas about who God is and what he does and, and all of those kinds of things. What we're dealing with here is the pride of, of life. It's, it's the fact that we want to be somebody. We want to be recognized. We want to be noticed. We want, we, we want to be important. Let me tell you how important we are. We are so important that God loved us enough to send his son to die on the cross that we might have salvation. You tell me anyone else who's done anything greater for you. There is none. There is none. Jesus is our champion. He is the one who paid the ultimate price. He is the one who shows us that we need to follow in those boundaries of what God says is right and wrong. We don't need to see, maybe, maybe we can fudge a little on this side, or maybe we can fudge a little on that side. We need to be right down the middle of what God has for us to do. Imagine. Jesus. He came to earth for one purpose. And that one purpose was to die on the cross to take away our sins so that we could be saved. And he knew because of his continual, constant being in touch with the Father 
what was going to be happening each day and how he was going to go and what he was going to be confronted with and, and how to deal with all of those things because he knew Scripture. By the way, every one of the responses that Jesus gave was from the book of Deuteronomy. Two of them from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and, and then another one from a different portion in Deuteronomy. But all of them, uh, Scripture that he used, which is back to the point of our knowing Scripture to be able to stand against the enemy. So, um, the pride of life, knowing our boundaries, knowing, knowing where we fit in the plan and the purpose of God, not trying to take somebody else's job or, or do something that somebody else that God has called to do that, but to do what God has called us to do, relying on him to guide us and direct us to fulfill and fill out that ministry that he has given us. And every one of us, every one of us, has a ministry for God. Let's do it. Let's do it. The third. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. We've had the privilege of being up in the Northeast for the past couple of weeks. We went to a house called The Breakers that was built by Mr. Vanderbilt. I don't remember how many rooms it had in it, but it had a bunch of rooms. It was all marble and fancy wood and, and all of the finest that you could ever think of in that house, and it was just a summer cottage worth millions of dollars. We went through several states and touched in their capitals and um, We saw some of the beauty, some of the grandeur of those states. But it's nothing. It's nothing compared to heaven. It's nothing compared to what God has for us. If we can learn to be content with what God gives us, we are in a better place than Mr. Vanderbilt was when he built the breakers. So, this is the lust of the eyes. 
somebody has a 2001 Corvette, we want a 2023 Corvette. Somebody else has a nice house with two acres, we want a nice house with three acres. We just want to be, you know, we're, we're in competition with the Joneses and the Smiths and whoever else in the midst of all of that. And some have said that the man who ends up with the most toys is the one who wins. But that's not the truth. Because the things that you have become the burdens that you bear. They tie you down. They hold you back. They keep you from being who and going where you need to go because you are so focused on those things that it takes you away from doing the things God might have for you to do or you might be able to do with your neighbors or friends or others. Here, he's talking about worship. If you'll just fall down and worship you, I'll give you all these things, Satan said. Now, Satan had them to control. That's true. But one of the qualities of Satan is that he's a liar and a destroyer. I don't think if Jesus had bowed to worship him, Satan would have given him all of the that he said he would. Because he is a liar. You found it in your life. You've been tempted by something and found that it didn't bring the desired result that you thought you were going to get from that particular act or activity or, or purchase or whatever it may have been. When we worship, worship things more than God, we're in trouble. When we put the things that we have in higher value than a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're in trouble. Jesus is our champion in this as well. You realize, of course, that he stepped from all of the glory and greatness and wonder of heaven with all of the beauty that is there with all of the riches that are there, with everything that is a part of what heaven is, he left all of that to come to earth. A poor man's paradise by comparison to what he had in heaven. But he was willing to do that for us. And the point is, that there is only one that we can worship. There's only one that's worthy of worship. And if we're not worshiping him, we're worshiping the other one that is not worthy of any worship or any praise or any glory. And that is Satan. There are only two choices. That's it. It's either one or the other. And so it is him you shall worship 
and him only you shall serve. I submit to you this morning that we have a champion. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is revered above every other name as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is a champion because he has been through what we are going through and came out on the other side victoriously overcoming everything that Satan threw his direction. He is the champion because he is the one who in spite of ruling everything left all of that in order to come to earth to be our savior so that he could once again go to heaven and see us benefit from the work that he did by dying on the cross and offering us whosoever will the wonderful gift of salvation. I ask you, who is your champion? Do you have a champion that can stand by all of the priorities that are necessary for us as we live our life in this world? Do you have a champion who will follow the precepts, precepts, the guidelines that God has given so that in everything he does, he is bringing glory to God and doing what he can to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and to lift up the cause of the Father. And do you understand the principles? Do you understand that Jesus practiced all of the principles that kept him in touch with the Father? To study his life is to gain the knowledge of the principles that are necessary for us to live a life that is pleasing to God. Who is your champion? Mine is the Lord Jesus Christ. Mine is the Savior of the world. Mine is the Son of God. Mine is the Mighty One who holds all things in His hand and the one who controls all things and ultimately will be seen as the victor over every sin and disgrace and ungodly thing that has ever come up in all of the world. My champion is the Lord Jesus Christ. Is he yours? Father, we come to you this morning thankful for the privilege of being in this place this morning. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping the one and only Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. We thank you for the privilege of gathering to be able to acknowledge him and as we go from this place, may we go with all of the understanding and urgency that is required of your children to be your people in a world that rejects you so that you get the glory from our lives. 
And Lord, for anyone who hasn't come to know Christ as Savior, they may think they're living a good life. They may think everything's going well. But you, as the overcomer, have demonstrated that there's a better way. And that way is through accepting Christ as Savior. May they take that opportunity this morning. Have your way during this time of invitation, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. What's the invitation hymn? Trust and obey. Stand, please. Stand, please. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. Let us do his good will. He abides with us still and with all who will trust. Brother S.T., would you lead us, please?